0: Welcome to our source church. The following message is a series based on pictures of Jesus' church. The title is Welcome to the Church, and our speaker is Arthur Steve Rand. Awesome. Okay, so we're just going to get into a time of sharing scripture and the word with you this morning. And if you are here with us last week, we started a new series that was splitting up into two different. Um, time frames if you remember we're just looking again at our vision and our values and and helping us uh unpack who we are who God's called us to be and uh and uh today it just worked out I didn't sit down and plan this it just worked out that today we get to talk about uh our 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 community isn't that pretty cool God just sort of likes to do these little object lessons with us you know let's just put a baby in the mix and we can do a dedication to see what it is as community amen so we just uh, throw the, oh, it's up. What an awesome team we've got on, down the back. So we've just been looking at, um, last week we looked at our our mission statement. Does anyone remember what our mission statement is, or our v- vision statement? Anyone remember from the from the floor? If not, I'm going to put it up on the screen and you're going to lose your moment. What is it? There was one bit before that. We Oh turn this on and it'll work. Look at that. There's our vision statement for all to see. Life Source Church exists to be as one. Last week we broke down this whole context of what it is to be a unified body under Christ, didn't we? To be as one, inspiring faith, imparting hope, and expressing love. It's an amazing statement. If you belong here, you know it. It sort of, it kind of oozes out of us. It's sort of who we are. Every opportunity we get, we're looking to inspire faith. We're looking to, um, express love. We're looking to do all these things in people's lives because of what we believe. Amen? I said last week, in doing so, we grow up into the full measure and statue of Christ. That was a statement I made. It was around the context of being one. We looked at Uh, Aaron's beard, didn't we? We looked at God's anointing oil being poured upon us, where he commands the blessing. Amen? It's in unity that God commands the blessing. And that's what just gives us a recap of last week. But as we move into week two, we begin to look at this picture of the church found in Scripture. There's actually lots and lots of pictures, lots of metaphors, lots of stories that are used to describe the church and uh, this next four weeks that we look at this today and then we have missions month and at the end of that we'll start off with this again. We get to look at four pictures of the church, these metaphors, these four pictures of Jesus' church which communicate certain things to us. And the way God's opening it up for us is that we can connect these four pictures, these four metaphors into the values that we hold as a church. If you're new here um, and you haven't heard that kind of language in a church before, our values stand before us and they're on that wall there as icons, pictures to help us and remind us what we exist to be and do in this community. There are four icons and we're going to break those icons down for us by using certain pictures or images from Scripture. The first image that we must look at is the image of the man's face. As we introduce this topic to us today, we base our scriptures, or those pictures from scripture. They're not weird and wacky things. Uh, You know, it's really funny when you're a church doing things in your community. You're sort of out there on a limb, and you're exposed to all sorts of comments, aren't you? It can be ridicule or it can be praise. It doesn't matter. They come. Um, fast, thick, and fast at times. We had one person say to us at one stage, "Are we a cult because we've got a bull's head and a and a man's head that looks a little bit like Buddha, or it looks a little bit like Angus, maybe?" <laughs> you just need to draw a beard on him, eh? Anyway, um, no, they're actually icons that help us represent from Scripture who we are. And let me read these scriptures really quickly to you. Ezekiel chapter one and verse ten says. And this is an open vision. It says, As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side, the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and the four had the face of an eagle. This is talking of the angels within the angelic vision or the heavenly vision of Ezekiel. Four faces, they were on these angels revelation you fast forward right the way to the end of the of the, the scriptures revelation chapter 4 and verses 5 and 7 says this from the throne this again is another open vision but this time it's the apostle john he's exiled on the isle of patmos and god's downloading he's giving all of this stuff of the end to come and but it's not just the end it's actually a, a picture throughout history of what god's accomplished through his risen christ and he's outlining this and he says, in his open vision, his recollection of this, he writes it in a way that only he can, he can, the best way that he can possibly communicate what he sees. And he says, from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature, like a lion. The second living creature, like an ox. The third living creature, with the face of a man. And the fourth living creature, like an eagle in flight. Isn't it amazing? When you look at scripture, you can find an understanding of what God's doing. I actually see these pictures, what they're doing, these Uh, creatures they're declaring the holiness of God they're declaring the goodness of God they're declaring the righteousness of God they're declaring the 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 fullness of God and I see them as pictures of the church because aren't we called to do the exact same that when the angels would fall down in worship of God because of holy 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 is he isn't the church meant to be a light in the community doing the exact same thing? And these four icons, these four pictures give us this, this understanding that if we would understand who they are for us or what they mean for us, then we would understand who we're meant to be for our community. We're meant to be the light of God in this place. And that light is not meant to just stay within our community. It's meant to uh, shine into the entire world. I see them as pictures of the church. These four pictures, they help us represent who we are. They help us understand our vision and our values. These four pictures for you to see represent our values of community, service, grace and mission. We'll unpack these over the next four, over these 4 weeks. Community, service, grace, and mission. Let's move on. So, today's title Pictures of Jesus Church. It's a vision series, and my title for you is Welcome to the Family. God opens the door and He says, He sends people out, go into the highways, go into the byways, go into the places that many and others won't go, and invite people in to my feast feast that the family is invited to every person man woman and child is invited to this feast of God And we get the privilege to say welcome to the family today we'll focus on the picture of the man to us it represents community it represents family at life source we believe that that every individual has the right to belong. This is who we are. This is what it is. This oozes out of us. Every person that walks in through those doors, no matter what background they come from, no matter what it is that they're into, no matter what darkness is on their life, we find that in Christ, if we extend the gospel to them, there is an invitation for them to come and belong. This is who we are. When we look at the icon of the man's face, I think it's up there it is It actually communicates more to us than a picture of a few random people just put together on a poster you see there are other pictures you could google unity and you can look at other things and there are these awesome pictures of jigsaw puzzles coming together and people reaching out their hands to sort of make a chain of people there are these amazing pictures of of community where where people are just doing things but if we put uh, if we take a, a random picture and put it up there, it doesn't communicate to us what the word of God communicates to us. So the picture of the man, although in, in the world's eyes, doesn't represent community to us as believers, to us following Jesus, when we dig in and we understand what it represents to us, then we start to understand what true community is. It's not just a random man. It's not just a random group of people. I could take a photo of this group of people and in five years' time, this group of people could be off serving the Lord in other places. And there could be a completely different group of people sitting there. Or we could be looking at one congregation of this group of people and we could have multiple times that. So that group of people becomes no longer relevant to the next group of people, the generation that are coming through. But the face of the man up there it represents humanity. It represents humankind. It also represents the coming Saviour. Even though it doesn't look like Jesus, it represents that God became man for us so that he could save us. Ephesians two brings this out the best and I need to I need to cut down my readings a lot more, don't I? Ephesians 2 bring this out to us. And I just, couldn't, I just couldn't cut it down, so I've got to do it for you today. But identity and purpose, this man, oh, we're going too far ahead. Ephesians 2, let's turn to Ephesians 2 in your Bibles. Ephesians 2 brings out the best picture I see of what one man in a representation in that picture means to us. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, what happens, Paul discusses the Jewish believers, or the Jewish people, and the Gentile nations. And what God did by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross, he brings them both into one man. Jeremy shared this last night with the men. When God looks at his church, he doesn't see individuals. He sees one man. He sees his church and it's represented in Jesus. So when he looks at his church, he sees Jesus. And that then filters down to the individual. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus. And you want to say thank God for that because that way he's not seeing all of your wrongdoings. That way he's not seeing all the sin that's in your life. Because when he chooses to look at Jesus, he's choosing to look at the sacrifice of Jesus over your life that makes you clean and purifies you and righteous. So God looks at you as one man in community, in union. And Ephesians 2 breaks this out for us. He says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, that was us, that was me, in which you once walked following the course of this world, We were doing our own thing. We were doing the things that we wanted to do. Following the prince of the power of the air, that is Satan. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. They are those who are not yet in the church. They're not yet within this singular picture among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Someone say amen to that. It speaks of the work which is brought to us. It speaks of you and I having a seat at the table, not by what we've done, but by the grace of God. We have been elevated to a place where we have a seat at the table with God. The table represents the family. He continues, So that the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For grace you have been saved. or well, by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Isn't that a good thing? To know that we're God's workmanship. He's doing a good work in us. He's doing a master, making a masterpiece out of you and I. And then in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11, we go on and the heading says, One in Christ. One in Christ. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made of the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now, everyone say, but now, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and and has broken down the flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. There is no longer Jew, no longer Gentile. There is but one man in the flesh of Christ. God tore down the hostility between the nations. God stood in the gap, and it was Christ. So when we look at unity and community, we've got to understand you have no concept of unity and community outside of Christ. You take Jesus out of the center, you take Jesus out of the mix, and all of a sudden you've got warring factions again. You've got Jew, you've got Gentile, you've got slave, and you've got free. You've got all of these things that are polar opposites to one another, but Jesus unifies them in the flesh. Jesus unifies them in you and I. That's why we can walk into this place and we can say that we are one in Christ and that each of us has a right to belong, no matter what color we are, no matter what creed we have, no matter where we've come from, providing that we call Christ our Lord. That is who we are. He is made one from the two. There's probably enough out of Ephesians 2 for now. We can spend months opening that up. But when we look at this sense of community, we've got to understand that Jesus has done this so that we get a sense of identity. And while we don't relate, except for Angus, to the one man with no hair, we can't relate to that picture, but we can relate to what it means. It relates to who we are. It reminds us of our identity and our purpose. It reminds us that one man came, that he came and he was the only one who could perfectly represent God. He came and he was the only one who could stand in the gap. He came and he was the only one who could die upon a cross as the righteous, holy, never sinning man to ever walk this earth. The only one to ever do it. And he's the only one that had the right in that context to die for you and I. You and I, we could die for a friend. We could stand in front of a bullet and take it for a friend. But that's dying for one person. Jesus hung on a tree so that he could stand in the place for all of humanity. He did so to save you and I. He did so to unite us under one name and the name is jesus and he did so to lead us into the family or the community of god we all have a right to belong amen and your neighbors those around you those who god has put you as influence over in your workplace in your school in uh, in in your in your mother's group in your community as you meet in the library whatever it is god has put you as an influence there to lead them into the community of god There are so many people, and there are even people here today, that have no concept of community because they've never stepped into community. They have no understanding of what God has on offer through Jesus because their relationship to community is that they've always been ostracized. They've always been sent away. They've always been kicked out. They've never found their place to belong. But let me say, in the church of God, if they don't if they're not open up, if every individual church of God is not open up to the community of God and the expression that people should come in, then let me say they're not representing Jesus well. And they need to actually challenge their own thoughts people are getting so frustrated because you know uh, certain churches around australia are uh, 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 are growing in age their their average age is growing and the young people aren't coming and instead of sitting to, instead of uh welcoming the young families that they prayed for earnestly over and over and over again they made them feel like they didn't belong and then when they lost their families they sat around in their happy clubs But then they say, well, God, we're dying. And they're dying because they didn't welcome the increase that God brought. When God brings an increase, it's always messy. Always messy. There's always muck in the stable to clean up. And it takes a community to help people find freedom. It takes a community to help people find this liberty that is in Christ and only found in Christ. It takes a community to gather around the ostracized and to bring them out into a place where they can find confidence, not in their own ability, but confidence in the Father's love. This is community. This man, he was Jesus and he showed us how to do it. He opened the way to the family like no other. The family of God. Galatians 3 and 26 says, For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Isn't that amazing? It's an amazing scripture. You want to take a photo of that? You want to put it on Instagram, whatever you want to do? That's the scripture for you today. Through faith, you are a son of God and he accepts you. So when you see the man, the icon of the man on green card, we see this sense of community. We see the purpose is that we need to make people belong. We see that your purpose as the church is that you've got to reach out to the newcomer. You've got to make them feel welcome. That's not the pastor's job. That's our job. That's the church's job. As one man, we work together, making sure that those who are coming into the family Remain as part of the family. That is our job together. That is our purpose. That is our value as a church. It is important in the collective to see this. Each one has the right to belong. Because Jesus sees us with value. Let me make this statement to you. We think that we are only attached to a church. There needs to be a radical shift. We need the radical concept that we are the church of God. You don't just attend church. You don't attend church when you feel like it. You don't attend church or you don't hop around churches. You are the church. Because you are one man. You are one man with Christ. And God sees you as such, and He is the one that has planted you in your church. You got a problem with your church, take it up with your Father. Amen. That's called prayer. That's called intercession. You got a problem with a leader in your church? Don't go and tell them. Take it to God. Let God deal with it. Amen? Now I'm not talking. I'm not talking about the practical stuff. I'm talking about if you don't agree that that's the right person in your church to be doing that, then you take that to God, because God is a just God, and He'll make sure that that person is not there if it's not the right appointment. Amen. You got that right, people. But God makes the decisions. You're attached to this church. Sorry. You belong to this church. You are part of this church. You are this church. You're not just attached to it. There's a practical expression here. And let's work through these really quickly. The biblical picture of community is found in family. We're included in the tribe of God. How should we as family? And here's your question to ask. How should we practically apply the reality of the church being family? If I'm in the family of God, if I belong in the church of God, if I call upon Jesus, if I'm reminded by this icon that that means I am one with one another and I am one with Christ, if I am one with that man who would stand in the gap for you and I, then how is it that I can practically apply this reality of being in the family? Four things to really quickly consider. First one, as family... As the church of God, believers should consider using familiar terms, familial terms. Why do I say that? I think we've lost this concept of calling one another brother, calling one another sister. Of looking at the next generation above us and actually saying, you're like a father to me or a mother to me. I think we've lost this concept as the older generation that we've got young ones that we need to encourage and exhort and build up. The, the the context of the family. How do I contribute to the family so that it grows the way God wants it to grow? Is that we plug in as we are part of the family. We use familial terms. The Bible is really clear on this. First Timothy one two to Timothy, a true son in the faith. Paul writes that. I don't think Timothy was unaware of who God, thought, uh, who Paul thought of him. What God Paul thought of him—a true son in the faith. Again, First Corinthians four fifteen. For though you might have ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Who was it that led you into the family of God? Who was it that shared the gospel with you? That person has a, has, a, has a unique experience of God for you. And if you honor that person for leading you into the kingdom, you will, you will receive so much more from that person. Look to them as a father or a daughter. It's always nice watching your daughter getting carried out under the arms. Amen. See. Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. Brothers. And we know in our modern translations we see brothers and sisters because we're trying to show you that this is an inclusive term. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, while that can be used on an individual basis, how much more significant is it when you look at the collective of the church? That this place is, is a sacrifice under God, together. The fourth one there for this point, using familial terms, 1 Timothy 5, 1-2. to Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. So, guys, if you're looking at a girl over the other side here, you go, hmm, that's pretty good looking. She's your sister. <laughs> Tell you what, it works in youth group. Didn't have one relationship in youth group for a while. <laughs> Hallelujah. Mate, you want, a, you want a holy and righteous youth group, you send your kids to, to crossfire youth, Amen. Mate, lots of brothers and sisters happening there, I can tell you that. (laughs) Praise God. When they get of age, then we just say, Lord, remove the veil, and then you get Jamie and Hannah getting married. Hallelujah. (laughs) Woo! You see, that's what happens when you pray, guys. Lord, just put a veil over this one for a little while. So she can't see this kid. Yeah? Amen. That's what happens. God, remove the veil. And brothers and sisters get married. In the right terms, amen? How cool is that? Anyway, we're the family of God in all purity. Let me say, when God puts a veil up there, you can't look at that person with lust. I can tell you that. Amen? When he removes the veil, look out. Quick marriage. How long was it? Come on. How long was it? Six months. (sighs) Amen. See, God knows what he's doing. Second point. Really quickly, as family and as the church of God, see, this is this concept. You're in the community of God. You're the church of God. As this family, believers must make the church their priority. You are saved into the kingdom of God and your representation on this planet is as the church of God. You can't be a rogue running around out there saying, I'm an ambassador taking ground for the kingdom and you're not in community. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. You might think you're doing good things for God, but let me tell you you're not you're not in covenant with God and his family. That's why God says honour your mother and father, for it is the it is the first law with promise. Yeah, you shall live long in the land. Well you've got mothers and fathers in the church, they're your leaders that God puts in over your life. You honour your leaders and God will He will exponentially grow your ministry. If your leader is holding that back because they're full of pride, then you pray for them. You don't tell them they're full of pride and walk out. It just causes disharmony and disunity and it makes the church look foolish. So as family, believers must make the church their priority. Galatians 6.10, write that one down. What happened here? Not working. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are in the household of faith. Those of us that have got a social-minded, justice-outward-thinking context, they've got to remember that if you're not fulfilling this verse first, then you're not going to have any expression in the community that's going to have any lasting fruit. God wants you to honor your family. Amen? If you honor your family, and I'm not saying that you've got to spend 60 hours a week in the church. What I'm saying is you honor the first day of the week by coming to church you honor your leaders. You honor God by giving to God. And then I'll tell you what, things doors will open and you will have an expression in the community like never before. Second one, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another. That's not about digging your ribs into your neighbor and saying, you need to listen to that scripture. That one's for you. They're saying, stir you up to one another to do love and good works. Stir one another up to be kind. Stir one another up to be the light of God. Stir one another up to share the gospel. If you can't share the gospel on your own, get together with a brother and a sister and pray with them and then get filled with the Holy Spirit and go and share the gospel together. Why not? Stir one another up in love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Wow. As some is in the habit or as it is the habit of some but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I I see what happens is that people get saved, they get filled with the Holy Spirit, they they do some basic Bible teaching and and all of a sudden the devil comes along and he he puts a seed of hurt in their life and all of a sudden, instead of meeting together more regularly, they're meeting together less and less. All of a sudden they're they're meeting at church once a month and all of a sudden they fall and they walk away devil's ploy to take you out and we talked about that through driven by eternity series i read this blog during the week i talk a long time guys sorry about that i read this blog during the week let me read it to you i think it's really encouraging our society seems to be much busier today than it has ever been we allow ourselves to become so busy with things that church becomes an option more than it is a necessity church is no longer a priority for some christians because of sports school work or anything else that people can come up with that keeps them away from church when church becomes an option it is no longer an option you want me to say that again when church becomes an option it is no longer an option you will almost always find something else that you have to do that replaces church I attend a church that has services three times a week. I understand that not everyone will be able to make every service. However, some Christians find it difficult to even make one service a week. Some are good to attend once a month. These Christians then wonder why they struggle in their walk with Christ. These Christians wonder why sin beats them down so much. Don't get me wrong. Church doesn't save you. And there are people who go to church every time the doors are open that will split hell wide open. If they don't repent, however, there is a direct correlation between spiritual maturity and church attendance. The spiritually immature will almost always find something else that has to be done in place of church. The spiritually mature will always make church a priority. They may not be able to make every single weekly service, but church will be a priority. Christians were never intended to walk out their faith by themselves. God ordained the church as his agent to carry out this work in the earth, and He ordained it for Christians to come together in community. The apostle Paul writes in 1 corinthians twelve twenty one "The eye cannot say to the hand, "I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, "I have no need of you." Christians who say they don't need church in order to live out their faith are fooling themselves. We need the church for accountability, for encouragement, and for fellowship. Christians who cut themselves off from the church remove a piece of the body. What happens to a body part that is cut off from the body? It dies. Spiritual death awaits those who don't make church a priority. And the writer of that was Josh Lawrence. How should we practically apply then the reality of church being number one, the family, who uses familial terms. Secondly, a church of a family or a church of God that believes that we must make church a priority. A third point for you, really quickly, as family believers must develop intimate relationship with one another. You can't develop a friendship if you don't spend time with each other. If a husband and a wife spend too long apart, intimacy falls down. True. Brothers and sisters, if they don't spend time with each other, they fall They fall away from one another. If you don't spend time working on relationships, they'll never be the relationship that you want or desire in your heart. If someone has hurt you, don't give the devil an opportunity. You go to them and you work it out. And you forgive them as they offer you um, reconciliation and they offer you um they're sorry. Their apology. There's ways that we do this. One of them is Sunday mornings. If there are services available, you attend that service. If there's an opportunity to learn, like the Noah's Ark thing we did this week, you attend that. If there's a men's ministry, you attend that. If there's a, if there's a women's ministry, you attend that. If there's a, 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 a the engage uh, family group, play group that meets at Barnabas House, you attend that if you can. Grow groups, fellowship time, guarding these things with your life. Not looking at them like it's another outing, it's another time away, but actually saying, this is my family. I'm getting the opportunity to spend time with the family. I'm coming together to meet with my family. All of these options. That's the first one. The second one there, developing intimate relationships. The second one there is this, looking at James chapter 5 and verse 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You ostracize yourself from the family. You ostracize yourself from this place of, of, of being able to be open and honest with one another. I don't want to take the message off my brother Jeremy from last night, but it hit the nail on the head. Every time we get the opportunity to talk to people, there's an opportunity to reveal the kingdom and a certain aspect. If there's something going on in their life and they've got trust as a family member, they will share with you and you can pray with them. You mightn't have an answer, but Jesus does. And together, two or three gathered in my name. I am there in the midst. You can't do that on your own. The Bible's clear. You cannot do that on your own. So you can walk around in your problems all of your life, or you can you can be open and real with another person and say, "In Jesus, I want to work this out together amen lastly as family believers must encourage one another in their spiritual growth you must encourage each other in your spiritual growth Hebrews 10: 24 and let us consider how to stir up one another in good works amen hmm. last week I gave you an, an, an uh, a picture didn't I? I gave you an object lesson you remember that little novi? She's done a fantastic job. Up here is my assistant, didn't she? Let's give you one more. Look at this. It's an old bike wheel, eh? I've got to give you something to take home, something to remember. Don't don't take this wheel home. It doesn't spin on the bearing. It's seized. But I wasn't going to go and pull a good one off the bike. So I'll, I'll spin it on the washer. makes it look right. Okay. We're talking about family. We're talking about community. Rotary caught this one a long time ago, didn't they? They call it the inner wheel. And there's many ways you can use this object lesson to represent your relationship with Jesus. But let me, re- let me use it to represent family today. To remain a strong church, to remain a, a family church, to remain open to what God's going to do and to, to value this concept of community that we hold dear it doesn't happen if we don't have the hub as a central point if the hub's up here we get a wheel that does this is that true that's not good for anything i think if the i think those who handed down the wheel to us if they had made a wheel like this instead of you get the old pictures of the square wheel that was a bit silly wasn't it then I think the wheel would have gone out the door. But because the hub's in the middle, the wheel spins and it spins smoothly. Our center has to be Jesus in everything we do. The center of our church cannot function without Jesus. If Jesus is not the focus, then all of a sudden your church is out of balance. It has to remain the focus. But in the middle, you've got these spokes... This ring, it obviously represents the one man that I'm talking about. We're one wheel together. But we're members individually. And these spokes, they represent you and I. What happens for the wheel to run true, for the wheel to run smoothly, is that these spokes all have to be in tension. They all have to be doing their job fantastically, don't they? If one of these spokes becomes loose, the wheel begins to wobble and you lose momentum and sometimes you fall off especially if it was a unicycle yeah thank god we're part of a family that's bigger than just one church amen we've got more wheels on the ground than one see another analogy for you anyway when a spoke begins to get loose and it needs attention You take it to the shop if you can't tension up a spoke, and the shop will, the 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 mechanic will fix it up for you. Sometimes members of the church need particular attention to help them tighten up and be back in tension again. Sometimes they need prayer. Sometimes they need counselling. Sometimes they just they just need an opportunity. Sometimes they just need the opportunity to forgive. They just need to be told to forgive, and. When everyone's intention, the wheel runs true. If you take three of those spokes out, the wheel begins to wobble. It shows you that every one of us are called to make a difference to the unity of the church and the expression of the church to the world around it. This wheel is you and I. We are one in Christ. And when Jesus is the center, when He's the hub, It all works out. Amen? Just bow your heads for a moment. Jesus being the center. We're running out of time, so I'm not going to do an altar call. But I am going to give you the opportunity. Many of you have had a bad representation of family. You've, broken, you've, you've lived a life in a dysfunctional family. You've got a mum and a dad who have separated. Many of you have been through different walks of life. Some of you don't even know your parents. All the things that come up with that, abandonment. All the things of your own self-worth based upon the lie that the enemy seeded, based upon what you saw and how you grew up as a family member. Some of you grew up entitled as the first member of the family. Others of you were... Te- treated even more entitled as the baby in the family. Some of you grew up with jealousy towards the the next one that came along because they took the attention of mum or dad. Others have have relished in the fact that the family grew and that they could hide because there was more siblings. You see, we all grow up with this concept of family and today we got to dedicate little baby Sophie to Jesus so that she would be brought up in a family that doesn't represent the world but represents the kingdom of God no matter what your family situation and no matter what you've been through you won't find a way out of that in your own strength yep your positive thinking may have helped you get to where you are today you may have made some decisions that have got you into the place where you're a contributor to the community and well done to you But you'll never find your place in this world. You'll never find your place in life and your purpose of who you're called to be if you don't come to the center, which is Jesus. A community gives you the opportunity to grow in a place, make mistakes, where you'll find love, you fall over, mum or dad's there to pick you up and to wipe up your boo-boo. The family gives you that opportunity. When you come into church right here today, you're like, what am I even doing here? But your life is at a point where you actually need to say, I've got to let it go because I want to come to a place where what the man up there is saying becomes my reality. The day that I joined this church, it took me seven months to really get to know people because it was a decision that I had to make to make myself available for them. Now, maybe today is not the right day for you to say yes to Jesus, but let me leave you with this challenge. Maybe today is the right day for you to say, I'm willing to start a journey that would lead me to the center. I'm willing to say that I don't have all the answers and, in fact, The answers that I have are corrupted by my upbringing. And I just, today, I choose to lay it down and to say I want to trust the journey that you have laid out to me, for me, God. Let us all just stand to our feet. Before Angus comes and leads us around communion, let me pray for you today. Lord God, we come because you have called us to be here. Father, we thank you for the wonderful opportunities that you give us to walk together in unity and to be the family of God that represents the kingdom and not our own rubbish. For those who are here today, Lord, that want to say yes to you, I pray that you would give them the courage to lay down their life and to say, I want to make the first step. I pray today that as they stay around and they have a sandwich with someone that they don't know, I pray that an opportunity for them to declare what they have said in their heart today, that they would share that with another and say, I'm willing to make this journey toward the centre. Father, I pray for those who are part of this church. I pray, Lord, that the problems that we are walking through together that we would see this spokes tensioned, that we would call one another brother or sister, mum or dad, son and daughter. I pray, Lord, that you would bring everything into alignment now. I pray that you would tension the spokes. Lord, I pray that this church would represent the true line of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray.